John chapter 17, Jesus here says in verse 15, He says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. What are you of? We're Christians. We're not of this world. If they're going to hate Jesus, if they're going to hate His disciples, what are they going to do with you? They're going to hate you, right? Yeah. Jesus draws a distinction here between those that are of the world and not serving Him and then those that are... Uh, I'm sorry, those that are of the world and not serving Him, and then those that are not, those that have been separated out. We've been sanctified out, and we're set apart now for His service. Um, and in verse number 15, it says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So save people, the apostles, Jesus' disciples. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out <laughs> of the world. Uh, but I'd like to talk to you this afternoon a little bit about your heart because I'm going to guess that your heart's a little bit like my heart. It deceives us. For some reason, we think that when we hit a trial, which the apostles hit, when we hit uh, persecution, which comes to all Christians, my prayer life goes to, Lord, I'm ready for the rapture. <laughs> We're not looking for the blessed hope. It's just something hit. Now it's like, you know what, Lord? Kind of want to go. <laughs> and Jesus said, look, I'm not praying that for you. So that tells me that the distinction between the world and the distinction between us being set apart from the world isn't for us to have the Lord pray for us to get out of here or our Christian friends to pray for us to get out of here because Jesus is trying to show, look, there's, there's a reason why you're here. For my service. Amen. And if I take you out of here, then my service can't be done. That's something to think about, isn't it? That's, that's something for me to think about. Um, Jesus didn't pray that they would be removed from the world. Jesus is praying because he's saying, he's trying to teach us, it's better for you to endure this than for me to just take you out of here. And it might be easier for you and I to pray, look, Lord, I just want to be translated like Enoch. Take me up like a whirlwind, like Elijah. But if you really, I'm, I'm asking us to stop and park and think about that now. That's a selfish prayer. <coughs> if you really think about it, that's a me prayer. I don't like this because it's a trial. Jesus isn't asking us to sign up for narcissism and like pain 
and like suffering and, and dish it out in, in, in like manner. What he's saying is you're going to have it. Don't expect me to remove it from you. It's better right now in this lost and dying world, it's better for lost people to stay here and witness to those that need him. Amen. It says, keep them from evil. Go to Galatians 1. Keep your hand in John 17, but go to Galatians 1. Galatians chapter number 1, uh, verse number 4. Oh, what a great verse. Let's start reading at verse 3. Galatians 1, verse 3. Grace be to you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Comma. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's grace, peace, all that. The will of God, glory to Him, praise the Lord. But He gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world. And the deliverance is, look, we're saved. We have a home in heaven, right? Praise the Lord. But presently, right now, there's going to be some evil that we're going to have to deal with. And you know what? It really, when you think about it, it doesn't really matter how much trial and persecution and evilness that comes our way because ultimately we've won we've got the victory won for us the lord has delivered us right amen thank you amen amen and amen we don't have to worry about what all the evil cuz it's not going to overtake us you're kept from it. But too much of our prayer life might be a little bit like Esau's life. We talked about Esau, I think, a few messages ago. He's a type of worldliness, Esau is. And he comes in from hunting. He's in the field. He's worn out. He's hungry. And he's ready to sell his birthright for some pottage. Because it's immediate gratification. It's something isn't going my way. I don't feel so good. I got some hunger pangs. And so there was a future blessing that wasn't immediate gratification. And so he, he, he's willing to sell off something that is in the distance. It's in the future. But it's a blessing to have a present pleasure. And we need to be careful that our prayer life isn't a picture of Esau's worldliness. It's good to pray, but let's not let our prayer be for instant gratification. Let it be, Lord, help to see me through this. If it be your will, make this go away. Amen. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. That thorn in the flesh didn't go away. Do you have a thorn in the flesh? Don't be your own thorn in the flesh. You don't, and I don't want, it, want to grow into overgrown children. 
I mean, we're adult on our license and on paper, but we're a child when it comes to our immediate gratification. I got to have it. We want to grow into a, uh, someone who is strong and of a good courage, not someone that's like Esau, just weak and feeble and faint. Oh, I'm so weak. No, get, get some strength. Okay, go back to John 17. John 17. Look at verse 17. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. That's one time we see sanctify. Thy word is truth. Look at verse 18. And thou hast sent me into the world. Even so have I also sent them into the world. Verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That's twice use of that word. That they also might be sanctified. That's the third time through the truth. We become more Christ-like through the truth of his word. We become more set apart, sanctified. We saw that three times. Through the truth of God's Word. Our prayer for each other should line up with the heart of Jesus Christ, and that is sanctified for His service. Now, wouldn't you love to have more set apart, sanctified people to go out and, and storm this community for the gospel? I would. But the Lord has put who He's put here, and we have a purpose, and we have to purpose in our hearts to not worry about the peripherals, but let's get set apart so we can serve Him. We need to, in other words, see things as God sees them. Little is much when God is in it. Little isn't much when we just complain about it. Little isn't much when every time a trial hits or a setback hits. Look, life is short and death is near. Lord, take me out of here. No, you don't understand. You act like life isn't short. See it as God sees it. It is short and God is going to take us out of here and it is going to be over. But death is near for a lot of people. So be set apart for my service and let's get, let's get after it. The pride, the pleasure, the wealth, and the fame seems through carnal eyes and a carnal mind, it seems like it's lasting because right now it just feels oh so good. Doesn't it? But it doesn't last. Get set apart for his service. And we, we, we find all this out by just being in his word. Be in his word. Now look at the unity here. The other thing regarding Jesus' prayer here in John 17 is in verse 21. He says that they all, he says, verse 20, neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. He wants the disciples to be one. He wants all those that believe on him to be one. He's praying for unity. Look how it's 
tied in with the unity with the Father and the Son. Look, as thou, Father, art in me, that's unity, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. It's a prayer for unity. The Lord wants unity. That the world may believe that thou hast seen me. Now that's a pretty good reason to just get along. <laughs> so that the world sees that. It's a picture of unity and, and a prayer of unity. And he wants us to be complete. So we are many, right? But we're one. A few thoughts that came to my mind on that, on that is this. There's many members. We understand that verse, right? But how many bodies? One body. But then when I thought about that, there's many bodies, in other words, physical bodies, because it's like one, two, we got many bodies physically. When you contrast it to the one spiritual body, there's many physical bodies within the one spiritual body, but we should have one spirit. Isn't that something? How it comes back to the unity even when you split the spiritual body versus the physical body? What spirit do you have? Same spirit I have. What spirit do I have? Same spirit y'all have. It's the one spirit. It's unity. Many believers, one spiritual community, the church. And so we're to be one with each other, with Christ, and with the Father. And may I remind us all this evening, myself included, this would be called one of the non-negotiables. It's not up for discussion. It's not an option. Christ wants unity. Look at verse 21 again. Let's read it uh, once again. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That they all may be one. You know, I thought about that a little bit more. We are believers who are separated by time. Do you know believers who've already went home to be with the Lord? Well, they're not here with you right now. <laughs> now, we're here right now. So in present time for us, we're believers, right? Well, guess what? There's going to come a day when we die and then there's going to be some future believers that we're never even going to know. And so what happens? The past, the present, and the future, that time span, it separates us as believers, yet we're one. We're in the one body. So think about that, that this unity thing is bigger than just us right now with the people that are right in front of us. Time separates us, yet despite time, we're not separated. We're united with Christ. Believers are also separated by space. We support missionaries in foreign countries. There are Christians in other states within our country. We are all separated by space, yet... We should be in unity. We are in unity if we're part of that one body. Also, believers are separated by differences. Do you share some differences with other believers? You do. I do. I'll name a few. Circumstances. 
I mean, that's an easy one. Our circumstance is not the same as Christians living in Israel right now. Different circumstances. Um, here's another one. Social class. The circumstances of those on a higher social class is very different than those on a lower social class. Cultures are different. People do things differently culturally. Uh, there's differences in believers when it comes to their mental health, their physical health, um, their emotional health. All of that is differences, yet this prayer of John 17 is all about unity. And we are good at trying to somehow prevent that unity, yet we can't. So we might as well just embrace that truth and get a hold of the fact that, look, we need to pray for the spirit of unity. Sometimes doctrinal differences divide. That's probably unfair to say. It's probably easier or better to say doctrinal differences seem to always divide. And that's a big thing nowadays. The fight for truth. So what do we do? Do we sacrifice truth for the sake of unity? Or do we pray for unity as we try to preach and teach truth? It's a tough question. There's been division. In other words, we've had people leave because of a certain doctrine. And it's not like they leave thinking that they're wrong. They leave thinking that either the preacher's wrong or the church is wrong in that doctrine, that belief, and so they'll leave. The old saying, and it's, a, it's an old one that started this new evangelicalism movement way back in the 70s, neo-evangelicalism, which um, repudiated the idea of separation. And so it was, hey, look, doctrine divides. We need unity. And so they came up with just some essential doctrines that they would rally around. And in all the other stuff, it didn't matter. In other words, there were important doctrines and there were lesser important doctrines. How do you get unity out of that? Aren't these tough questions? Probably the solution to unity is charity. <laughs> but I don't want to sacrifice truth. Okay, let me ask you this. Are certain doctrines in the Bible more important for Christians than other doctrines? Or is it all important? <sighs> Let's assume for a minute that we're saved, that we're all saved. So the doctrine of salvation is what we preach to the lost. And the gospel should be the heartbeat throughout all of what we teach. However, for saved people, are there doctrines in the Bible 
that should be more important and other doctrines or truths in the Bible that should be less important. I believe they're all important. I believe they're equally important. However, us and our circumstances or our belief or our slant, we tend to elevate certain doctrines higher than others. And sometimes we do that for a purpose or for a reason. In other words, if you've been hurt in the past by someone who messed up prayer, probably understanding how prayer really should be is real, real high on your priority list. That's not a bad thing in and of itself. But we don't want to just have that at the expense of another truth or a doctrine. You know, the ones that we can kind of do without. And everybody has one. So Jesus, when He prays in John 17, He wants all unity in Him, in His Father. It, it, it's all, all, all important. And He says, look at what it says in verse 22, And the glory which Thou gavest Me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Do we just read, Thy word is truth? Everything in His word is true. It's the Word of God, and He wants all of us to be one. That means we've got to have all the doctrine. It's all important. We might not have it all right or understand it all, but that's the goal. And then in verse 23, He says this key word, I in them and thou in me, that they may be what? Made perfect in one. I think that's our answer. Now that goal will be attained, we just don't have it attained right now. That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And now the last thing I'd like to point out to you is that Christ now, it's a prayer for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he says in verse number 23 that the world may know. What does the world need to know, folks? That God loves them. Amen. They must know the Father's love. Amen. And how in the world, amen, amen, are you going to show the world the Father's love when you don't have a spirit of unity. Ding, 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 ding. We're not. That's the answer. You win the prize. You know, we're not going to be able to do that, folks. That's why unity is so important. We've got to show this world that Christ loves. How in the world are they going to see the picture of Christ's love if Christians just keep fighting and divided and bickering? And nah, nah, nah. We've got to show the world the Father's love. Verse 21, um, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Here's where I wanted to get to, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Ultimately, we all want lost people that are dying in this world to do what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you just want them to come to church? 
Do you ju uh, to the church house? Do you just want them to come over to your house and have some good fellowship and share a cup of coffee, or is what it, or is what that's really behind that is you want them to know the Father's love and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? That should be the heartbeat of everything we do with our relationship with those in the world. We need to be careful how we talk about other Christians, even the ones that would disagree with us on some doctrine, because we can still have a spirit of unity as we, in charity, either explain or move on graciously to another point to avoid trying to put someone else down that might not see something the way we see it. There's a way that the Lord wants us to handle unity. It's, which, it's, it's with His Spirit. Jesus wants to draw all men to Him by showing how much His love is. He doesn't go around as a Mr. Know-it-all. But He knows it all. There's a Spirit. And we have that Holy Spirit indwelled in us. The more we yield to that, the more we're able to point this world to Christ and show the Father's love so that they would believe on Him.